Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere pods are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation welcome to the fantasy nba today podcast Single digits on the countdown clock, ladies and gentlemen. Only nine days until the NBA is back. Single digits. Truly remarkable. I watched a baseball exhibition game on my TV last night. It was not that interesting, but I saw cardboard cutouts. And they were also not that interesting. But who cares? It's something. Some stuff on in the background. I don't know. I I wouldn't say necessarily that my mood has dramatically improved here because there are so many other things that sort of kicking around inside my head related to, well, COVID mostly. But it does look like, on the whole, sports are sort of getting it right. Now that dives into a much deeper discussion that we're definitely not going through on this podcast but basically, the the gist of it is sports organizations have the money to either create a bubble, three leagues have created bubbles, or if you're baseball, lots of testing and a bunch of social distancing measures when teams are at the ballpark. And of course, that's uh, like soccer, that's an outdoor sport. But unlike soccer, there isn't a whole lot of human contact in baseball. Everybody is generally somewhere between 60 and, you know, 200 feet away from one another, aside from the three people at home plate during most at-bats. So baseball has an opportunity here. The reason that I didn't feel like baseball could do it is that it's just relying on too many people to not break any rules. Like, where, where are teams staying when they're on the road? Is it a special hotel that's exclusively open to the traveling baseball team? There's so many exposures as teams start moving from city to city. I just, you know, they've done a great job with all the teams in their home markets, but that's a little easier because everybody can, if they're taking this seriously, and so far it seems like they are, they can just go home after the stadium. Go home. Don't go anywhere. Get your groceries delivered. Wipe them down. Do the whole whole spiel. But what do you do when you go on the road? Who's bringing you all your food? Where are you staying? That makes me a little bit nervous, which is why the bubble still feels like the way to maybe get it done. And for the NBA, we got news yesterday that they ran the whole battery of tests. They tested every single player in the bubble. Zero positive COVID tests yesterday. Zero. That's amazing. And that's the way it was designed. You filter out any that may have been trying to get into the bubble on the front end. They bounce off the outside of said bubble. The couple of players that became contagious or symptomatic 
the day after arriving, who apparently were exposed, one would assume, right before going to the bubble, when they after they tested negative and before they arrived, those guys were weeded out during those two days of quarantine in Orlando, and then everybody that made it out of their rooms is good to go. So far, so good. I don't know that actual scrimmaging and games should change things very much. The only thing that changes as teams start playing against one another inside these bubbles is that if something does break the bubble, it can spread faster. But you hope that daily testing can take care of that. Regardless, it's hard to look at anything that came out of yesterday as anything other than good news. Very much all the major sports came out and said, we have almost no positives. Everybody else, on the other hand, we're all fighting an uphill battle here. I uh, mentioned briefly yesterday, Demonis Sabonis was having some issues with his foot. They came out and they sort of amended that in the wrong direction. It's been diagnosed now as plantar fasciitis. Sabonis having serious issue putting any weight on his foot. And I think we have to make the adjustments to our board as a result, I think. I mean, I think you have to. We had Sabonis relatively high, around 30. We bumped him down to 39, and he might have to go farther. There's there's a real risk now that he might not get to play. So I don't. Maybe we don't need to do it today, depending on when your draft is taking place. But listen, if your draft is going now, which you know we have a mock going. That it sounds like we industry guys, we might just play this thing out. And then I'm also in another resumption league that I thought was going to be my only one. But now it seems like it might be one out of two. Uh, if you're drafting right now, I think you have to skip over Sabonis. I don't think you can roll the dice there. What if he plays in two or three games? That's not enough. It's way too early. Way too early to try to spend a pick on a guy that just might not get on the floor. You might be able to adjust Miles Turner a little earlier. Say, look, you know, maybe he just does what he did in the regular season and he's something like 45 to 50 range here in this resumption, but maybe Sabonis misses two or three games and Miles goes yakko for a few of those. We know what he does when there's no other big man around, and it's juicy. It's fantasy juice-tacular. So because of that upside, I think you maybe you shuffle him three, four, five slots earlier. I would contemplate moving Miles Turner up probably into the early 30s as opposed to we had him right near the end of the 30s before. So, guys, bobbing and weaving. And this is all part of the process leading up to it. And it's why, you know, it, it's it's hard to have these lists out there because you've got them in a bunch of different spots. you got to make sure you're updating them. And it brings me to something I wanted to promo here at the beginning of the podcast. I haven't even introduced the show yet, but we're going the promo first. And the promo is, finally, it took us some time to make sure we got all of the recapture and email stuff set up properly. But at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter is where you can sign up to get both my nine category list that we've built here on this podcast with input, by the way, from the, the great Mike Pasador and the Hoopball staff and Eric Ong's Points League board, both of those lists completely free, and all you got to do is drop in uh, your email. It's going to get emailed to you as opposed to being just floating around there on the website. So go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, 
and fill it in. You'll get an automated email that should come within the next five minutes after you sign up. And then you've got both boards. Dan's board and Eric board. Board, board, board. This is Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. Thanks again for tuning in. I know we're seven minutes into the podcast, and I'm just finally saying hello. But we had other things to talk about. We had NBA news. We had draft boards available. By the way, we're going to be... That's going to be running for the next eight days, that promo. And then we'll shut it down once the resumption season gets going. So definitely go get it. Get it now. I don't know. Again, I really have no idea how many of you are are playing in these resumption leagues, but at least a handful of you. So go get the board. It's much easier to see in, in written form as opposed to trying to piecemeal it together from what we've been doing here if you've been listening to the pods. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball, of course, is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. See what I did there? Uh, or at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter. What we've been doing on the podcast, for those that haven't been listening, is going over the results of what was initially a mock draft and then became a real draft. I believe. I think that's where we're at now. Yesterday, we got to pick 70 is where we left off. Uh, there was still a handful more that had occurred over the weekend. And then, of course, another chunk yesterday. I think it's at 101, something like that. So we'll continue our, our journey through these picks. And it continues to be pretty darn illuminating. In that, a lot of the guys are going roughly where you think they would. But there are... Quite a few guys that are going in wildly different spots. It's blowing my mind. But I guess at the end of the day, that's not that different than what happens during a normal mock draft beginning of the season. I guess the reason this one blows my mind a little bit more is that we already know what these guys can do. We already know exactly what their role is this season. The only predictions... Almost only, I mean, 90% probably of what we're doing in these mocks is predicting how many games someone's going to play. If it's a lot, they get up, they move up the board. If it's not many, they move down the board. That's it. Anywho, let's pick up where we left off. Let's keep motoring our way through. And actually, we may be able to do this again, which is nice now that I've got uh, two things going. I thought that other draft started on Friday, so... Shows what the hell I know. Uh, We left off at pick number 70, which would have been me, Evan Fournier. That's right. That was the last pick we did on yesterday's show. And I'm still stoked about that one. I love my first, uh, man, I think my first eight picks are are pretty dominant. And then my ninth is uh, a little bit more of a crapshoot. But we're not going to get that far today, I don't think. Starting at pick number 71, Eric Bledsoe, which to me is a dangerous one, given that he's... Uh, I, I don't believe, st- I still don't think he's there in Orlando, but even if he is, that means he's still got to be in quarantine for a couple of days before he gets practicing. We're talking about now, basically a maximum of one week to get his conditioning up post COVID and probably shrinking. I, I, this is already on a team that was probably not planning on playing their starters all that much. Uh, Bledsoe's a guy, I think we just dodge altogether, just given what's going on with him right now. Between COVID and the fact that his team has a giant lead, there's just no reason to do much more with him than play him 20, 24 minutes a game, get him revved up, and then maybe let him cut loose in, like, game seven and see how many minutes he can go before he gets tired. 
So that one, uh, it's it's not far actually from where we had him before all of this news broke. But I've just been slowly bumping him down the board, little by little. He's been dropping on our big board, uh, down as low I think as seventy eight in the most recent iteration, and probably falling further. You know, I suppose this is as good a time as any to remind you guys of our partnership with Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0 built-in LED lights. Head on over to Manscaped.com, use coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. You can get a lawnmower. They've got uh, razors. They've got boxers. They've got lotions they've got powders they got oil they got everything man check it out men's grooming products the best of the best of the best really good stuff here's the thing here's the thing and i say this a lot yes they are a partner so obviously we're going to say nice things about them but they wisely sent product to show hosts so that we could try it out and it really really is a great trimmer it doesn't pinch my neck has never felt so great now, I desperately need a haircut, but I don't know if they can do anything with that. But check them out. Manscaped.com. Coupon code HOOPBALL20. Please do it. Get something. Uh, and lock us into a nice long-term friendship with your help. Let's do it. Last pick of the sixth round was Rui Hachimura at 72. We like Rui. In fact, I have him exactly at 72 on our big board. How about that? It matched up perfectly. There's still a couple of guys that I, I think I would have taken ahead of him. But I like, I like the pick. I'm not going to sit on it for too long here. I'm not going to talk about it too much because, listen, his stat set isn't great, but it's not horrible. He does a lot of his damage with two decent percentages, which, of course, can fluctuate pretty wildly in an eight-game sample size. But also, he's on a Washington team that has so many missing pieces. His 11 shots per game has to go up with no Beal, no Davis Bertans in particular, and then, of course, Wall didn't come back. There's just... There's no way that 11 shots doesn't become something like 12 or 13, and that's the kind of thing that pushes him from, he was at 136 during the regular season, which in the resumption, if you just translate that over, is pretty close to the edge of the top 100. You know, an extra an extra two shots a game probably pushes him to that 80 range, which is not far from where he went here. A little bit of upside if he decides to do more, if he just really cuts loose. And so, I, yeah, I'm fine with it. Derek Favors was the first pick of the seventh round at number 73. Uh, We had him at 75 on our big board. I think he's going to pretty much do what he was doing at the end of the regular season, which is about 24 and a half, 25 minutes a game, mostly rebounding in defense and putbacks, good field goal percent, um, get you some steals and blocks. He's not going to blow anybody away, and there's fairly limited upside with him. But again, around he was like around 90-95 in that role for the Pels at the end of the regular season. So you shave eight teams off of that, and he ends up basically in the late 70s. So this one, relatively close. I think I would have waited a hair longer on him. And and there's just you know sort of a safe plotting type, which gets a downgrade for us in this in this situation. Especially too when you think that he might not play all eight games if things don't go great for the Pelicans. So. A little bit early on that front, I think I probably would have pushed him off just a tiny bit further. Ah, you guys likely heard the dulcet tones of screaming babies and children in the background, and such as life in the age of COVID. Let's keep rumbling along. Uh, Daniel Tice, Jonas, you son of a gun. 
I didn't think there was any chance he wouldn't make it back to me when I took Fournier at 70. I took Fournier at 70. I had picked 75. Come on. Well, there he went. Uh, it's a great pick. I love this pick so much. You guys know I'm a massive Daniel Tice guy. I have him at 56 on our big board. I think he's going to be brilliant. Uh, I think he's going to play in at least seven of the games for Boston, and he's been ramping up his workload as the season was winding down. Very upset that he didn't go one slot farther. I would have taken him at 75, no questions asked, and uh, it's a great pick for Jonas. So I ended up in kind of a uh, little bit of a set of circular logic here. I was trying to debate between uh, Joe Ingles was one of the guys on the list, uh, Duncan Robinson was another name on the list of guys that I was considering at this point. Marvin Bagley before the injury news. Uh, Derek White, Nerlens Noel, Marcus Soul were all kind of guys that I was considering at this juncture. Ultimately, when push came to shove, I went with Ingles. And, you know, it wasn't like there was one main reason why he was the guy here. I think I thought about Terrence Ross in that mix as well. He was the, he ended up being the guy mostly because I just thought at this point I needed the kind of well-rounded player. I had Anthony Davis that took care of a lot of the, well, a lot of stuff cuz I got him third. Kyle Lowry, low field goal percent. Same with Robert Covington, there was some little bit of an issue there, but you know, we're looking at a lot of high steals, high high blocks types of guys and you know, I got to a point in the draft here where I thought, look, I'm, you know, my choices are, do I go hard into three-pointers? I don't know. That felt like I was in pretty good shape there with Lowry and Covington early. And Fournier, you know, m most of the guys on my team can score at this point, so I don't know that I needed that. And so I, instead of going specialist style, which those guys a little bit are, you know, Terrence Ross, Duncan Robinson, a little bit more lasered into a couple of key categories, I thought, look, Ingles taking the spot of Boyan Bogdanovich, not going to be the primary guy, but just finds a way to facilitate. So give me some assists, give me some rebounds, give me some steals, some threes, a little bit of everything. I'm not too worried about what his free throw percent is going to do. Um, my team's not going to be that outstanding at free throws anyway, and it's sort of a little bit late to make a massive push there. Uh, field goal percent should be fine, well enough. There are a couple of low ones, a couple of high ones, kind of balances out a little bit. Nobody that's you know, really dragging it up. So probably mid-packing those. But look, here's one of the key differences. I really like my team. The percentages might not be great, but they also might be great because it's an eight-game sample size. And what if Rob Covington is hot for five of those eight games? What if uh, Kyle Lowry is hot for those five games? What if Darren Fox plays well and he shoots 50%? Like, there's there are a lot of ways that things can go in an eight-game sprint. So anyway, I took Joe Ingles. I don't. I I really don't expect massive things from him, but his role is certainly going to be larger now than it was during the regular season. And so you just you look at it and you're like, all right, I hope it's some facsimile, some poor man's version of what he did when Conley was out. Instead, now being more of a point guard style, he'll be more uh, wingy, wingy. Can we call it that? He's a little more wingy. Serge Ibaka went right after me at 76. Eh, not a Serge guy right now. I know percentages-wise, actually, he's decent, and so usually that's my my jam. But I have him at 89 on our big board. He was, he was close to being cut 
in fantasy leagues before Marcus Ole got hurt. So I think a lot of people forgot that. Early this year, he was bad. His role was small. He goes hard when he comes in off the bench, but his minutes are just not going to be that high. If you're taking surge here, what you're hoping for is that the Raptors are not going to go full bore on Marcus Sol, and that allows surge to get from 22, 23 minutes up to maybe 25 or 26. But I don't think it'll be a whole lot more than that, not with them healthy. So, nah, I'll pass on this one. Evita Zubats at 77. That's too early because Montrez Harrell might come back. We don't know what's going on with Montrez. We obviously wish him and his family all the best. And there's going to have to be a quarantine that takes effect here. But, I mean, if he pops back in quickly and quarantines for whatever it happens to be, week, two weeks, I don't, I don't know what the number is, then you're, you're, just, you're looking at Zubats getting a couple of games as a starter, which is good. And that's why we had him in the early 90s on our draft board. And if you wanted to go a little earlier, I guess you could look at 80s. But, boy, 70s? 70s, that's a big leap, especially when you think about some of the names still on the board that we're about to talk about. So that's a that's a dice roll, to be sure. And there's no guarantee that even if Montrez isn't there, uh, that Zubats plays more than like 24 minutes. By the way, apparently nobody knows if he's even in Orlando yet. He hasn't been spotted. He might still be dealing with COVID back home. I guess I could have meant a lot of different places. L.A. I meant Los Angeles, but I don't know where he is. So, yeah, I, I mean, too many too many other names, too many easier selections here. This is seventh round. You got to – this is still a spot where you need the guy playing six, seven, eight games and putting up good numbers reliably. Yusuf Nurkic went in the next spot. I, I need a – I need something to put the numbers next to these things for me. Uh, let's see. I was 8, 78? Yeah, that's not that crazy. Uh, I am at 82, so we're pretty much right on it. I have low expectations for Nurkic coming back this year. It's it's a long road back from that kind of injury. Woof. And he was great last year. He was number 37 last season. 15.5 points, 10.5 rebounds, a steal, 1.5 blocks. Some of that stuff just isn't going to be there. Field goal percent is probably not going to be at 51. Free throw percent is probably not going to be at 77. Steals and blocks are probably not going to be at 2.4 combined. His minutes won't be at 28. There's just, there's there's room, there's room for him to impress because he's expected to start. My guess would be he probably plays about 18, 20 minutes first couple of games. Maybe you don't even start him in those games and you roll him out there for the last four or five, but what if Portland gets eliminated? Do they push him? I doubt it. It's his first game action in like a year and three months. I get it. I really do. Because if it hits, you get a gold mine in the seventh round. But if it doesn't, it doesn't kill you. But it, it would be a pretty big hole. So I, a little bit early for me, but not by much. Not by much. Pretty close to where I think I would say, let's go ahead and take that swing. And certainly for, uh, this was Alex's team, you know, he wasn't getting back to him. This is your chance. You're going to take your swing here, or you're not going to have an opportunity to do so. 79? Is that where we're at now? I've lost track. 79 is Duncan Robinson, and that makes a lot of sense. We actually have him at 71. He was very good in the 90s, I believe, during the regular season. Right? 
Uh, what the hell was his final season ranking this year? Let's make sure we get the numbers right on this one. Uh, D-Rob, 85, actually. A little bit ahead of that. Now, 85 in the regular season, replicate that now. That puts him, you know, mid-60s, really. So, 79, quite reasonable pick. And I, and I did strongly consider him at my spot a little bit earlier in this round because he'll hit you a ton of threes without toasting your percentages. But you know what? I, I just... Not into threes the way uh, that we all used to be. They've become so prevalent that you can sort of just coast your way to the middle of the pack. It's hard to be bad at them. It's pretty easy to be good, but you know the, the thing with a guy like Duncan Robinson is he allows you to be better at threes without costing you field goal percent, but he just doesn't do anything else. You know? Decent percentages and a ton of threes. That's it. It's not fair, though. I like D-Rob. Like his game, thought about taking him, ultimately went the other way. Still a good pick at this point. I like it. Montrez Harrell went next. This was, I think, before he uh, had to leave the bubble. So we'll just sort of refrain from breaking this one down. Obviously, now this would be not a good pick. Before, it was fine. This was within four or five slots of where I had him on our board. And, you know, he could potentially go even a little bit earlier if you think... Hell, he's sort of a punt free throw guy, but maybe he shoots like 75% for these eight games and he could roll at a top 50 clip, but he might not be there. So, meh. Markel Fultz, is this 81? I think we're at 81 now. Uh, Markel Fultz, we have at 95. I still don't trust his fantasy game. And maybe he made some adjustments during the downtime. Uh, but from what we saw... And he was number 160 during the regular season in 28 minutes a game. There isn't a lot of room for additional minutes to be the difference maker for him. No three-pointers. Minimal rebounding. Eh, assists are fine. Doesn't score a whole lot. Field goal percent is fine. Free throw percent is not great. He's just not really that good at anything yet in fantasy. Steals and assists, you would you look at and you're thinking, okay, those are the areas where he could maybe make a fantasy impact. It's why I was referring to him as a, fantasy-wise at least, a poor man's Alfred Payton. Alfred was 10-5-7 with 1.6 steals, and Fultz was 12-3-5 with 1.3 steals. And neither one of them hits a three. Neither one of them can shoot a free throw. But Payton had the, the bigger rebound assist steals numbers, and that's why he was like three rounds ahead. So maybe that's where we get faults to during this resumption is Alfred Payton land with a slightly better field goal percent. So I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm looking at him a little bit later. But again, you know, you're getting into a spot of this draft where splitting hairs, you just you sort of go get your guy. I, I just, I don't see the path for faults unless he did make an adjustment to his fantasy game. It's possible. His game could have grown during these four months off. We don't know. He's also dealing with, uh, I believe he had COVID. I think he's just finally getting into full practices here now. So there's, there's that looming over it. And Magic are healthy again. Remember, he saw some big activity. DJ Augustine missed some time. Marvin Bagley won at 82, which felt like a very reasonable pick until he was ruled out with another injury. That's just sad at this point. I don't know. Maybe he'll prove us wrong that he can stay healthy someday, but hadn't happened yet. 
Jeez. Bogdan Bogdanovich at 83. Uh, we have him at 86, so that's fine. He's going to give you your traditional shooting guard stuff with somewhat capped upside because of his some of the things in his game that just aren't that great, but he'll be fine. He's going to have a starter's job. He's moved in front of uh, Buddy Heald on that team, and, uh, you know, he'll get to do some stuff. He's not going to be great. He's not going to be bad. I like Derek White at 84. Big fan of that one. We have him at 73. He was playing somewhat well at the time of the shutdown, and I do think that it, by partway through this resumption, he's getting starters minutes, and you'll probably get a good four powerhouse games out of him. Very much worth it at this juncture of a draft. 85 was Maxi Kleba. We have him a little bit later than that just because of capped upside. He'll be fine, but, you know, plotter type. We're getting close to where everybody is a plotter type. We're not quite there yet. And so, I don't know. I mean, do we? he'll have one big game when Porzingis sits one out of their eight for sure. The other ones, he just sort of floats along. Top 100-y kind of guy. So he'll be fine. He'll probably end up relatively close to where he was picked here, but... I don't know. Take a swing at this point. Now you're into the eighth round. Take a hack at it. Pick 86 was Zach Collins. That's a little bit more of a swing. We have him a little bit later than that on our board because I still don't trust his fantasy game. And they might prove me wrong. He might prove me wrong. I, I'd, be, I'd be totally fine with that. I actually never really mind skipping a guy when there's a big question mark about his fantasy game and then someone else getting the hit. That's not how we win on this podcast. We don't... I've never on this show tried to be the guy who got you the shiny toy first. Because you're going to miss way more than you're going to hit when you're shiny toy hunting in fantasy. That's not to say that Zach Collins won't be a decent uh, bet to come back here. I just... I don't know how his conditioning is. I don't know how the chemistry is going to be. I've got to think that with Portland desperately needing to win these games, Collins isn't exactly going to be the guy to just step up and do a bunch of stuff. Like, where are his looks going to come from? Dame, CJ, Nurk, Whiteside off the bench? What is Collins? At best, a fifth option. That's not a great spot to be in. So he's going to have to make it up by blocking a bunch of shots, but he's going to get pushed out to power forward. If Nurkic is starting, or Whiteside is starting, the only time he's going to be able to really do what makes him a fantasy-relevant player is if those guys were off the floor, and I don't know how much time there's going to be where neither Nurkic nor Whiteside is out there. So I feel like it's a little bit capped. I, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on him a little bit later just to see what happens. But I'm, I'm a little bit less bullish, I think, than most. I mean, these guys had such a long layoff. Collins played four games at the beginning of the year, right? Three games, four games? Terrence Ross at 87. I actually really like this pick. Ross was cruising at the end of the regular season. We have him at 70 on our big board. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Terrence Ross looked great. He was playing his best ball of the year when the regular season was winding down. Over the entire regular season, he was still fantasy relevant. Like, if you, over the entire regular season at 103, if you take eight teams out and take 27% of the teams away, that bounces him earlier than his draft position in this resumption draft. Remember, he just went at 87. 103 would translate earlier than 87. And if you look at the last roughly 20 games the Magic played, 
when they were rumbling at a higher clip, Ross was getting an extra shot, shot and a half a game, and he was a top 75 guy. He's all about volume. He needs volume because points, threes are kind of what carries him. Free throw percent. He needs to be doing stuff. He needs to be getting shots. I like this pick a lot. If he had gotten back to me, I would have taken him. Not that close, but, you know, you catch my meaning. So I like this one. It's a good pick. Troy Brown Jr. went at 88, right? Is that where we're at? I need to write these numbers down, idiot Vespers. Troy Brown Jr. at 88. Uh, I got no problem with that one. He's in my... I am a tiny bit later, but it's possible... You know, we've been hearing good things about him and the Wizards. There's just all kinds of fantasy stuff to gobble up. And honestly, there just aren't that many guys on this board that I would have taken ahead of him there. A handful, maybe, but I got no problem with Troy Brown. I think he'll be... I think he could be really interesting. He might be a miss, but... He's got upside, and this is you start to take some swings here in the eighth round. Victor Oladipo at 89. We're almost done for the day. We're going to stop at 90 today. Victor Oladipo at 89. I like that one. Now that it sounds like he's playing, uh, I don't know that he's necessarily going to pick up where he left off, but there's a lot of room for upside here. In fact, I'm frankly surprised he fell this far. I, maybe I forgot about him. Uh, he's one of the guys I think I probably would have taken ahead of Troy Brown just because you know what his role is if he's okay. What's he going to be doing? Also, if Sabonis is out, that actually does mean more for everybody. Hmm. I don't know. The only the issue there is do they rest him on some back on you know every other game? Do they keep his minutes down? He was just really starting to hit his stride, so I don't I don't know how far they dial it down for this seeding stretch. I know Indiana doesn't have a whole lot to play for in that they're in that mid-chunk in the Eastern Conference we talked about before. So almost no chance he plays in all eight games and almost no chance he gets a full complement of minutes. But he could he could blow past 89 in a resumption league with his eyes closed. And then Paul Millsap was number 90, and that'll be the last pick we talk about on this one. I'm totally fine with that. It feels like this is a... He's basically a sure bet to get right around his ADP. This is a good pick if you've already taken some swings, which I don't know that this team necessarily has, but to me, this is like what you would do in the eighth round of a resumption league if you wanted a guy that you could just be like, okay, um, there's going to be a game where he plays 32 minutes, and then there's going to be a game where Jeremy Grant gets hot and he plays 20, and at the end of probably the seven out of the eight games he plays, he'll be around a top 90 guy. And that's good. That fills out a roster. No problem with it. We had him, I think, a tiny bit earlier than that on our board. So, digging it. And that's about... Yeah, I think that's about where we'll put a pin in it for the day. Maybe tomorrow we'll finish it up and start talking about the other one. Oh, mock drafts. It's nice to have this type of stuff. Um, nothing really at the end of this deal. We'll get you, get you in, get you out, get you on with your life. Hey, you might not even need to listen to today's show on one and a half speed. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I don't know what day of the week it is. It's Tuesday. Thank you, phone. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers, and hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Listen to some of our amazing new pods. Uh, DFS Today is back. There you go. There's my promo at the end. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. See you guys.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.